Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, I'm reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, there comes one after me who's mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it will come to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then the voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this subject or this title, the life of John, the life of John. Come on, would you pray with me? Oh God, I pray. Even as it was in the Bible, in the book of John, that Jesus said in chapter 3, verse 30, Lord, I pray, Father, that Chino would decrease, Lord, and that you would increase, that it would be your words. Father, I pray, Lord God, as I'm on assignment, Lord, that your words would leave with all power and authority, Lord, that every demonic stronghold and opposition would be broken today, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord God, that the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, will find themselves in fallow ground, Lord God, that the birds of the air would not snatch it, that the chain, that the thorns would not choke it, Lord, that the sun would not scorch it, Lord God, but that it would find itself in firm ground, Lord. Today, I pray that you would take this seed and that you would bring about life, Lord. Father, today, we're believing, Lord, for those that are dead to come back to life. We're believing, Lord, as we celebrate baptisms, that those that are going in the water that are going to come back in newness of life, Lord, and in our own personal life, Lord, that we're going to see the transformation, the miracle that's greater than any miracle of salvation. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord. And it's in your mighty name that we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, Greater Church, would you put your hands together one more time for Jesus all over this place. Come on, Greater Church. I thought on, on Baptism Sunday, I, th- I thought it would be cool to highlight the story of an individual um, that many of you may or may not know who his name is John, and they call him John the Baptist. And some people call him, or some theologians, and even in those days, what he would be called was John the Baptizer. Now, here's the reason why, because John's role and his responsibility was to baptize people. Now, the cool thing about it is that I think if we take a look and we, we remove for just a second our own preconceived notions or ignorance concerning John, I think that if we look at his life, we can unpack some truths that I think they can help us in our own personal walk. I think if we look at the life of John, we're going to see some things that we can actually pull from him that will help us to live out the life that God has intended for us to live. John. He was the son of Elizabeth and Zechariah. Not the Zechariah that you remember in scripture. This is the Zechariah from Luke chapter one, his dad. 
Zechariah was an actual priest in the house of the Lord. He would go inside of the temple and he would have offerings that he would offer incense unto the Lord. And Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, they couldn't have any children. They were barren. And for so many years, they've gotten to the point that they said, this is just the way that life is. We're never going to have children. And on one faithful day, while he's doing his assignment, and I believe that it's in you doing what God has called you to do, that you would begin to see the miracles. For so many of us, sometimes we wait for the miracle to happen. And when this happens, Lord, I will do. And when you give me the money, I will do. And when you do this, I will do. And there's something about this moment that you would just step out on faith and you would begin to watch God and worship him and serve him on credit. Zachariah, he goes into the temple, hasn't had a child. And an angel comes to him and an angel tells him, hey, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to be with child and you're going to have a baby. In that moment, I would have been like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever, depending on how old I was. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't trying to have kids right now, dog. Like, I'm not trying to stay. You know, praise the Lord. I love you, Kev and Key. You know, I love y'all. and Tommy and Nadia, y'all, y'all, y'all getting out the wilderness. Praise the Lord. Y'all kind of y'all. And some of my other people who have had babies, but I don't know if me and Lydia can handle a kid right now, bro. We might, we might have to, amen. Meet me on phone. Y'all think y'all can handle another baby right now? A boy. What if it was a boy? What if it was a boy? Maybe? No. <laughs> I don't know if I, can, if I can handle them, especially when I'm 80 years old. Like, I don't know. He's in church and he's offering a sacrifice and all of a sudden an angel comes to him and tells him, I know you've been waiting, but I got a baby that's coming on your way. I learned something in there that, man, if you've known me, I've preached this till the paints fall off. It's something that I've applied to my own personal life. Watch this. In Luke chapter 1, verses 18, 18 through 20, it says, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old wife. And look at how he does this. This is how men talk about their wives. He says, I'm an old man. But then he says, And my wife is well advanced in years. It's a smart man. It's a smart man. Very intelligent man. Very intelligent. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings or this good news. But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. What I've learned from this is that God will mute you to mature you. There are times in your life where God will promise you things. There are things even in your heart that begin to stir you up and you're starting to wonder, why hasn't it happened yet? Why is it that my voice hasn't been amplified? Why is it that the things that I have put my hands to haven't succeeded and flourished the way that it has that I thought it would be in my life? And God will take you through a season of muting you, of being quiet because in that if you open up your mouth you will begin to mess up what God has already established and you will start God all things work together to the good of those that call the Lord they call him Lord and are called according to his purpose so I butchered that entire deal but what happens is that that all things work to the good they can take you four days if you make a left when you come out of the wilderness as the children of Israel or it could take you 40 days when you go through the Red Sea and you end up in the wilderness. And it's all dependent on your mentality, on how you think about these things. 
John, his parents were thinking, yo, we're old. This is bad. And in that moment, the angel said, bro, I'm taking that away from you because you're going to start saying some stuff that's going to hinder and it's going to stop what God wants to do. Here's what I want to show you. This is a prophetic word that I feel like the Lord gave me. I've been preaching it for a long time. I want you to just look at me right now and I want you to just understand this. Take it into the depth of your heart. As your pastor, I want you to just wear it in your heart. Listen to me. When God starts showing you stuff, when you start feeling some stuff and God starts leading you and you start to watch things happen, watch this. Listen, super easy, very practical. Shut up sometimes. Just, I don't, I don't need to tell everybody what I'm doing. I don't need to tell everybody, yo, the Lord has, there's certain people that you have to have conversations with and certain people that you got to hold accountable. People in my life that when the Lord speaks to them, the first filter that I pass it through is called Lydia Cheveria. And I'll say, babe, here's what I thought. And if she says, Babe, stop. I know I'm stopping. But if I know that it's something that God has given me, my wife will begin to process with me. And all of a sudden, we'll start mining that thing out. And then I will start speaking it into people's lives. But what happens is that a lot of times, man, we discredit ourselves with this thing. With this very thing is the thing that we say, I'm never going to be able to do that. How am I going to accomplish that? I'm too old to do that. I don't have enough money to do that. I don't have enough people around me. I haven't been able to take that step. I see that person doing it, but I'm not that person. And you will begin to disqualify you. And what God has to do is that he has to mute you to mature you, to get you to kind of start stepping into this thing. There are going to be some seasons where your voice isn't going to matter too much. What you say and what you do, a lot of people are not going to see it. But then there comes a moment where you can begin to actually watch those seeds and they start coming back to life. The Bible says that he has this baby. And watch this. In Luke chapter 1, verse 41, the Bible says, And it happened when Elizabeth, Elizabeth is pregnant now. God has spoke to Mary and told Mary, you're going to have a child. And the whole Jesus story, Christmas, right? The whole Christmas story begins to happen. And God tells him, you're going to have a child, all this. And then Mary is freaked out. Mary is absolutely freaked out. And Mary goes and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And the moment that Mary walks into the house, this is where we pick it up. Luke chapter 1 verse 41. It says, and it happened. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby John leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. There's always going to be, yeah, definitely God is going to mute you. To mature you but there's always going to have to be a response that is released when God begins to give you a dream a vision there's something that you have to do even when you don't have anything to do it with begin to research jump on YouTube jump on Google you need to do something because here's what's happening in the midst of your incubated season where you feel like nobody sees what's going on in the midst of sometimes a dream that you have that's impacted but it's super small the responses and the things that you do in that season begin to have some ripple effects in the life of people all around you and God will begin to use your faithfulness to produce fruitfulness faithfulness is believing and understanding I'm gonna be faithful but then you begin to bear fruit and you'll start watching things happen because this is what happens John is inside of the tummy of Elizabeth he's in the belly and the moment that he hears Mary he jumps he, inside of his mother's stomach there's a reaction to the presence of God and he jumps and when he jumps his mother is filled with the Holy Spirit a promise that she's been waiting for for years her entire life she is filled with the promise of the Holy Spirit the very same Holy Spirit that we see that comes upon men remember how it came upon David how it came upon Othniel how it came upon mighty men of God and they produced incredible feats of God but yet on the opposite side of the blood of Jesus the resurrection the Easter story the Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us he lives inside of me and you but the holy spirit all of a sudden now comes on her 
And she, all of a sudden, Mary walks in the door, broken because she's engaged to a dude, and now she's pregnant. Doesn't, do, doesn't even know if the dude believes her that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I would have believed her. Oh, babe, I love you. I'm pregnant. It's Jesus. <laughs> no. So she's broken. She's, she's feeling like she has no understanding of what's happening. What's beautiful is that Mary did something that I just mentioned a minute ago. The Bible would say that when she heard these things, she would ponder these things in her heart. She wasn't quick to open up her mouth. She actually would keep her mouth closed and think about these things in her heart. The Bible says that she walks into the room and all of a sudden, Elizabeth, and I want you to go back because I don't have a bunch of time, but if you look at Luke chapter 1 and you read the rest of the story, all of a sudden when the Holy Spirit comes on Elizabeth, she begins to give a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge to Mary. Mary has just walked in through the door. The only people that know that Mary's pregnant is Joseph and Mary. But yet all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit inside of Elizabeth begins to tell her there is a child inside of your womb. There is a child that's going to be a deliverer. And he, she begins to prophesy over this girl's life. 14 years old. 14 years old and has never been with a man. But yet this woman is speaking about her being present and being pregnant because the Holy Spirit was inside of her. And what actually happened was that John, who was in her, didn't have a destiny yet or hadn't stepped into his destiny. He hadn't even taken a breath. He wasn't even baptized. He hadn't came to the altar. He hadn't given money at the church. He hasn't tithed. He hasn't been on the church roll. He didn't do any of those things. He didn't know Hillsong, John P.K., Kirk Franklin. He didn't know any of the songs. But inside of the belly, he jumped. There was a response. And that response began to trickle down and create comfort inside of a 14-year-old girl that didn't know what she was going to do because her life was falling apart. It's the moment that you step out of your comfort zone. It's the moment that you step into what God has called you to do, that you respond in faith, that God begins to use it. But there has to be a response when God begins to give you the request inside of his belly. He didn't even start nothing. And you're worried about the things that you've done, the bankruptcies, the credit cards that you messed up, the times that you screwed up. Yo, God can wipe all of that stuff. This kid was on empty and God used him in the belly. Imagine what he could do with somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit around them, but has the Holy Spirit inside of them. Think about the things that God can do in your own personal life. The Bible says that he comes in and he begins to move. Man, I've been there and I know you felt there. You felt like you're in a dark space. You felt like you're underprepared underdeveloped you have nothing to offer but the one thing that I tell you is that you're not under resourced you have a resource and his name is Jesus it's a Holy Spirit that's living inside of you he'll give you the ideas he'll give you the creativity he'll give you the steps regardless of who left regardless of who walked away Regardless of what the circumstances look like, you still got a God that's on your team. Come on, if he needs our team, if he's on our team, then man, we're on the winning team, amen? Oh, come on, if you're going to clap, you're going to clap for Jesus, amen? John is pregnant and little is said about what happens in his life. We hear just a little bit about it in Luke chapter 1, verses 80. I want to turn your attention because the Bible says, so the child, John, grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. That there's plenty of times, man, even in my own personal life where I felt like God would push me into a desert before there was ever a manifestation to anybody. 
That there were years of my life where I was incubated. There were years of my life where God had to keep me hidden because he was developing inside of me. He was maturing me. He was developing a real response in me. There's something that happens when you have an emergency. When you have an emergency, the first reactors show up to your house, right? Right, Carlos? The first reactors? No. It's, it's the first responders. Sometimes we react when God has called us to respond. And then there's these moments when we respond correctly, when we're able to take our time with stuff, that God will actually put you in a season of wilderness where you have to grow and become strong. And God starts dealing with you. And all of a sudden, the alcohol don't taste as good. The weed just doesn't get you high enough. You get to this space where you start hearing about God and now you're finding yourself switching the channel a little bit and listening to corny music. That's not corny music, I'm sorry. But listening to, you know, the music on the radio that's with Jesus. I love that. that stop, I didn't mean to say that. Take that off the tape. I love those songs. I do, I, I do, I love them. I had to fight through listening to them because I used to think that they, now I'm like, hallelujah, Jesus, while I'm driving. But sometimes stuff will happen where God will start peeling some stuff off you. Now when somebody says something to you, instead of you trying to hit them with a two-piece and a biscuit, there's some like, there's something inside of you that you're just like, yo, why did they say that? Like, man, what's, and before it used to be like, why did they say that? I'm going to slap fire at you. Now it's, why did they say that? Some of y'all are still there. <laughs> why, why did they say that? I want to know what's wrong. Like, I want to help them. There's something, something's going on with them that I want to be able to bless them. Like, what happened there? Like, yo, why, why did you say that? And things start to change inside of you because God starts to mature you. He starts to help you to grow. And it's in those silent moments. Hey, can I give you a challenge? Me and my wife, and I mentioned this last, uh, last Sunday, that me and my wife, we once a year, sometimes if it's a crazy year, twice a year, we take some time and we go out and we, we find an Airbnb. Or, or a hotel room, whatever you can afford, whatever's available to you. An Airbnb now is like $800 a night for two hours. But, but if you can find a hotel room, just don't be like in the hood somewhere. Where it's like, pop, pop, pop. You're like, Jesus. But, but what we do is that we take, we take a few days. And we usually take like, you know, a Monday through Wednesday or sometimes we'll do like a Friday. We'll check in at 4 o'clock. We'll be there all day Saturday. And then Sunday morning, we'll leave to go to church and what will happen in those three days is that in those three days, I'll shut my phone off. I'll turn off Instagram, all my notifications. And I'll just grab my Bible. And I'll, I'll possibly grab another book that can help me. And I just spend time walking with God and praying with God. And I just spend those days just talking to him. Like, God, what, what do you want me to do? Like, I, I just need you to speak. Do you know that God still speaks? But, but the problem is, point number one, we don't shut up sometimes. <laughs> We're always in the pace of life and we're driving in the car. Father, I love you. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Father, I love you. And dang, I got to go check that email. Man, I got to make sure that this person, now it's 10 o'clock at night. Father, thank you for the day, Lord. You are just amazing. Babe, what's up? You want some seggy time? And what happens is that we get so drifting. And before you know it, you haven't had a chance to pause. What would happen if you actually slow down? And you actually spend some time with God and just, I'm not saying an hour, I'm not saying a day. I'm spending, what would happen if during the summer you actually plan to spend three days with God? I, I believe your life would be turned upside down. Um, first time I did that, my life was absolutely completely wrecked, rocked. I came out of that place, man. My wife came out first and she was like, I can't talk to you until you go. 
And then when I went and I met Jesus and he spoke to me and the things that he revealed to me and he showed me, the product of it is what you're watching right now because God started to do some stuff inside of me. And if we slow down for just a minute and we're able just to listen to him and give him undivided attention, yo, he changes so many of the things that we fight with. You're addicted to pornography, yo, that can break in the presence of the Lord. It says, draw unto the spirit and you will not satisfy the lust of the flesh. I promise you, if you're dealing with alcoholism, if you're dealing with addiction, if you're dealing with anger, sinful issues, if you can't seem to break them you know how to shoot about a honda you know how to listen to every single song but you can't deal when you can't break these things get in the presence of the lord spend some time in the wilderness with him and you will begin to grow strong in faith you will begin to go strong in your life but man if i can give you any advice any homework for you to do and take some time to add it onto your calendar and find yourself in those three days. I promise you, silence and solitude has always been able to help me. It's always instructed me, taught me, shown me what I was supposed to do. The Bible says that John, he was foretold for so long. He has grown for a very long time. And then all of a sudden, he retreats into the wilderness. We got plants here. It's like my wilderness. And he goes, I'm not going to get into water though. I got them ones. I can't do that. But he goes and he goes into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he's spending time with God and he's growing in his life before he's ever revealed to anybody, before he ever begins to preach, before he ever writes the book, before he ever steps in and plants the church, before he ever takes any step towards the destiny, the things that God called them, there needs to be a season of incubation where you shut up sometimes, where you respond and start to do the little things and plan, but that you actually retreat and spend some time with God in a retreat. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that he's sitting there and all of a sudden he is revealed unto everybody. Revealed was according to purpose destiny not only did his mom not only did his dad angels but isaiah several prophets had foretold that john would come and that john would be the person that would actually create and prepare the way for jesus to come in fact he would say that repent for the forgiveness of your sins for the kingdom of god is at hand he won't just say get in the water he said get in the water but then stop sleeping with her and then all of a sudden, he begins to step into his destiny, step into his calling, baptize people, prepare the way for the Lord, and Jesus shows up. Would you be okay with being number two? Would you be okay with God using your talents, your finances, your, your, your legacy, your talks, your words? Would you be okay with being number two? Would you be okay with allowing somebody else to get the glory out of the work that you're putting into? See, that's what I love about the generation that came before me. Because they would stay at one job for 50 years. And they might not see a lot of money, but they were faithful and fruitful. They had one wife for a very long time. They had one car forever, bro. You're like, buy a new car. They're like, I don't want to. This car works fine. It's like, bro, no, it doesn't. It doesn't even pass the emissions test. You had to give the guy $30 instead of the $17 to cheat. You can't do that, y'all. Y'all going to jail. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. But what would, what happened is that I believe that generation was so faithful, man. And they actually, step after step after step, they kept doing it. Would you be able to take those steps without receiving the glory? Without your name being up on the lights? Because see, what happens is that when God starts to purify your heart and God starts to see that your heart is pure and God starts to see, yo, he doesn't care who gets the credit, there's no telling where your life will go. There's no telling what lights would have your name up.
You won't even believe the things that God would do with a humble heart, with somebody who doesn't care about getting the credit, but is saying, yo, Jesus, use whatever you need so that you can step on the scene and you can begin your ministry. Because it was through John that Jesus's ministry began. For 30 years, Jesus was in his wilderness season. For 30 years, Jesus was, the Bible says that he was growing in stature and in wisdom and in favor with God and with man. Jesus was stepping into his life for 30 years. And at the age of 30, he sees John and everything changes. Because all of a sudden, John sees him, chapter 1, verse 29. The Bible says that when John sees Jesus, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the earth. And they get into a little dialogue about, Oh, you baptized me. No, you baptized me. Trust me. Just let me baptize you. And then he baptized Jesus. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. And he begins to start his ministry. It took John. I mean, could you imagine that? I'm in heaven bragging rights. Oh, I started Jesus. You know him? <laughs> I did that. Like somebody, I think the boys showed me, where are my boys at? They're probably in there with kids. My, my boys showed me this one guy. He's like, I'm a basketball savant. I did all of this stuff. And he's like, eh, 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 ooh, ooh, ah, ah, ah. he does this weird like movement stuff. Look like he had a demon. And then he goes, and that's how I made LeBron cry. What? Like, y'all seen that? It's like, what? What would happen if, if God will begin to use your life to start a ministry in your family? What if you were the one that begins to introduce Jesus into a family what if God would take a broken gang member? What if he would shift his life completely? And in a family where everything was witchcraft and all they knew was sacrificing animals and all they knew was gang banging and all they knew was selling drugs and all of a sudden God would use the life of one individual while he's sitting in prison to change his life and for him to open up his life and allow for Jesus to step in and to begin and to be the number two to Jesus and watch as Jesus starts using his life. And all of a sudden now family member after family member have put down all of the witchcraft, the demonic strongholds, and he's been able to see God do some incredible things. Man, when I think of the things that God has allowed for me to do with my personal, that was my story. And to watch as my mom, who was, man, I mean, an absolute, she was in, I watched her talk to me through demons. Like, I mean, I saw her do seances. I went to the parties where they had witchcraft as a kid. I saw some stuff that, man, would freak you out. Stuff that you've seen in the movies. The things that she said to me. But yet for me to actually watch my mom in Key Biscayne Beach in Miami, Florida, get baptized in the water, as so many are going to do, and come back out of the water. And watch God change her because somebody in her life was able to break the chains of the demonic stronghold what if God begins it with you what if God is going to do that through you the Bible says it that John begins to to prepare the way for Jesus and as he prepares the way for Jesus he gets locked up locked up they won't let me out that was John John wrote that song and John gets locked up and while he was locked up all of a sudden, the, the, the king, he likes him. He likes, he likes John. He thinks John is a cool guy. He has him in jail because he has to appease the people, but he loves John. He thinks John is amazing. Now, what happens is that John told the king to his face, bro, stop sleeping with your brother's wife. I mean, no filter. Just like, you fornicator, you're going to hell. John, you're going to jail. And John is in jail. But now think about this. The, his brother's wife hates John. She's like, bro, this man here put us out on Front Street. Everybody knows Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Like everybody knows. And yo, and John, and John is sitting in jail, and all of a sudden they have this party. 
And in this party, everybody's having fun and, you know, they drinking, they got the little Michelobes or whatnot. That's old school. And they have, you know, they just doing their thing, you know, praise the Lord. And they just, you know, ah. And then all of a sudden, his niece decides, I'm going to do a dance. And she, I wish Abby was here because Abby learned how to do the dance. We went to an Indian wedding and she has this little dance where she puts her hand on her lip, hips and she goes. It's the cutest thing in the world. Super not Christian, but I love it. She goes like that. I say, you could only do that in front of me. She does look, shakes a little butt. And I love it. I don't know what kind of dance the, the, the niece does, but she does this. Ding, 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 and she does like all of this stuff and starts dancing in front of her. And all of a sudden, the king says, ask me whatever you want. Up to half of my kingdom, girl, the way you dance. You can have it all. Here, girl. It's where the original, let me stop. Let me not go that way. But, but whatever you want, you can have half. Here you go, half the kingdom, whatever you want. Give me whatever you want. And the girl, she's smart. She says, hold on, give me a little bit to think about it. Hold on, I got to think about it. What does she do? She go to her mama. And she said, mama, <laughs> the king told me <laughs> because of what I twerk, I mean dance, he said that I can have whatever I want up to half of his kingdom. What do you think? And she says, you know what I want you to do? She's like, tell me, what do I, do I get a house? Do I get the kingdom? Do I become his wife? I'm his niece. Is that weird? It doesn't matter. And she tells him, tell him that I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. Like, wait, hold on, what? Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, what? Tell him to cut off John the Baptist's head. And I want it on a platter. And I want him to bring it and serve it in front of everybody. I mean, think of how morbid that is. And the daughter, she goes and she tells the king. And the king is heartbroken because the king likes John. But the king has the order. And he says unto them, bring me John the Baptist's head. And I need you to kill him. Matthew chapter 14, verse 1 through 12. At that time, Herod, the tetrarch, heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. And therefore, these powers are at work in him. Now, here it is. Watch what he says. For Herod had laid hands on John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to them, it is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put, them to, wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitudes because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the doctor of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl and she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it. And then they went and told Jesus. I know we would love to have a season and we're okay with it. God muting us to mature us. And we're, we're definitely down to take some baby steps and, and respond to what God has asked us to do to his response. To, we, we have, I'm, I'm down to let the ripple effects kind of take place. And, and for some of us, we're like, when I said that thing, you're like, 
Well, the pastor said that I got to go to a hotel for three days and get away from you. So you got to take care of the kids. Praise the Lord. That's what the pastor said. I got to do it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, I'm going to suffer so much to be by myself with a book. Some of y'all were like, yo, that was the word I came for. I checked out after that part right there. <laughs> Been looking up freaking Airbnbs. But if I can give you the best advice for you to see and to live the life that John lived, I would advise you to die. I would advise for you to die. Would you allow yourself to die? Would you allow yourself to, to die? And I don't mean get your head cut off. What, we, we about to drink the Kool-Aid together? No, bro, this ain't that type of party. No. Nah. But I want to show you something. Because in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, Paul is speaking. And he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? L let me explain this first sentence. Paul is explaining to people. Though you've made some bad mistakes, though you've made some errors, though you have sinned against God, though you have broken God's heart, there's still redemption because where there's a little bit of sin, there's a lot of grace. Where there's a lot of sin, there's even more grace that God can forgive you of your sins, that there is nothing that you can do to separate you from the love of God, that God can forgive all of your sins. Why? Because the Easter story that we talked about last week is that me and you, we put sin on a scale, right? Big sin. You cheated. Little sin. You told your, your, your co-worker to clock you in at 345 when you came in at 410. You went to lunch and you took an extra 15 minutes and you're just like, yeah, just, just sign me in. You, you lied a little bit on that application. When they asked you, you lied and you checked off the wrong thing. And we, that's little sin. You know what I mean? Like I went and I, I, I went and I messed up and I went to Bucky's and I spent $50, but I told my wife I only spent $20 and it's you, that's little sin. Right. And I didn't kill nobody. I didn't murder anybody. Like I didn't steal from anybody. And we have these big and little sins with Jesus. He doesn't look as sin as big sin or little sin. Jesus looks at sin as defeated. It has no power because of the death, burial and the resurrection of Jesus on that cross and him coming back to life. He has broken the power of sin, death, hell and the grave. Sin doesn't have a power. Jesus can heal it. And what he's speaking here is that though you have sin, there's a cross for that. There's a forgiveness to that. That you don't have to live in that. Just because you made that mistake doesn't mean that you are that mistake. That you can walk away from it. But sometimes we put on the, yeah, I messed up. I can't do this no more. No, you don't have no more excuses. God can forgive you of your sin. If he can take a broken gang member from the streets of Miami who did more hurt than he ever did good and he can change his life and he can cause him to plant a church in Kennesaw slash Ackworth, Georgia. Believe me that God can forgive you of your sins. I don't know if you've made the mistakes that I made. I don't know how low God had to get you from. But he had to pick me up from a pretty low place. And if he can rescue me, he can rescue you. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Like let's keep sinning so God keep forgiving. Now, that's not the point here. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as you as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death for some of us we're going in the waters today and it's significant of when you go in the water your old man 
the shame, the pain, the guilt, the things that have accused you for so long, it's symbolic of going down into the waters and then your old man dies and then you come back and it's symbolic of Jesus coming back to life. It's symbolism. This isn't where your sins die. Like when we drain the pool, it isn't going to be like, oh my God, you watch porn. That's not going to come out the holes. It's symbolic. That happens at the cross of Jesus. The sin exchanged happened 2022 years ago when Jesus was on the cross pinned up he didn't die for you he died as you he never committed sin you committed sin every one of your sins put him up on that cross that's where the exchange happens we get baptized therefore we are buried with him through the baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father even so we should walk in newness of life that the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says that that pain, I mean that blood and that power, that it lives inside of us. We think that this whole Christianity thing, we, we, we have this weird misconstrued idea that this whole thing called Christianity, number one, it's a club that you come in, you check off, Lord, I went to church, I'm good, we're straight for another month or till Christmas time. We, we think that this thing is relegated towards your behavior. Christianity is not about behavior modification. It's not about God taking bad people and making them good. It's about taking dead people and bringing them back to your life. That if you die today and you haven't had this relationship with God and you have not given your heart to Jesus, that there is a real hell. That there is a real place that is going to cause disconnection from you and where you will spend all of eternity in hell. But the beauty of the gospel of Jesus is that the very same power that took Jesus and brought him back to life, he can resurrect you and he can bring you back to life. That the gospel that we're preaching about today, that the life that John had, he excitedly put his head on a platter so it can be cut off because he knew on the other side of this life, I got a long living to do. I got a lot of people that I'm going to see. I got a savior that I'm going to spend all of eternity with. He understood the ramifications. Would you die? Would you die to your sins? Would you die to the way that you do it? Would you die to the way that you think? Would you die to the way that you act sometimes? Would you die to your emotion? Would you die to your depression? But would you also die to your anger? Would you, would you die for your addictions? Not only drug addictions, but that addiction of feeling that pain and that bitterness that you sit with sometimes and it's just like this is just who I am and if I don't feel this bitterness and this anger then I can't go out there it's like I gotta drink my coffee you don't gotta drink your coffee you can die great message huh die I went to church this is a great meme put me all on CNN pastor tells church to die none of y'all better die <laughs> like in real life <laughs> but you but I would ask you would you allow for your old man to die? Would you allow for your character, your old character to die? You, you don't have to struggle with it. You can kill it today. You can kill it today. W would you do me a favor? As we study the life of John, as we step and take some of the steps that he took, hopefully in just a moment, there's one step that we can take just like he did. And though somebody is not going to bring your head on a platter, there are some things that need to die. Because if, if I take a seed and I throw it in the ground, 
if the seed isn't broken and dies in the ground, it will never spring up life. But if the seed drops into the ground, if it cracks, if it allows the darkness, the hurt, the pain, the claustrophobicness to actually start to create those nutrients, all of a sudden you'll see a little leaf and then a stem and then another little leaf. And then before you know it, fruit is going to come out of the one thing that God had been looking for the entire life and it's your surrender. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media.